Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. given Gideon. The Bible tells us that Gideon's story ends so sadly. This man that had been elevated, this man that did not believe that God could use him initially, this man that had trouble believing and having faith in what God was able to do and the power that God was able to give in anointing him for the task. This man uh, that God spoke to miraculously through fleeces and showed and revealed to him that he was going to be with him. Uh, After it was all said and done, God gave him a great victory over the Midianites. The Bible says that he began to take out of the things that he had won as far as in his bounty, the golden earrings, the pendants, and the crescents and the chains, the wristlets and the anklets that he had taken from fallen foe, he made a ephod out of them, and the people in idolatry were uh, worshiping this that he had made out of all of the trinkets that he had received from his fallen foe. And so he led them into idolatry in the end. And the Bible says something very eerie to me here in this text. It says, And Gideon made an ephod even at Orphra. And you say, why is that significant? Why does the Bible specify that? Because Orphra was the place that God had called him in the beginning. This was the place where he, underneath an oak, beside a wine press, was threshing just a handful of wheat, trying to get enough food to exist another day. And the angel of the Lord visited him and said, Gideon, thy mighty man of valor. He looked around and said, if I'm a mighty man of valor, why has all of this befallen me? In other words, why is all of these bad things happening to us? Has anybody ever found yourself questioning and, and having those types of feelings. If, if I'm such a man of God, if I'm a child of God, maybe you've said it that way, or if I am someone that God has, has chosen and is choosing to use, why is it that all of these things have befallen? Why is it that things are not going better? And this was the question that Gideon posed, but the angel came back and again underscored the fact that God was going to use him to lead Israel to great victory, even though they had been under the oppression of the Midianites for some seven years. And so uh, here we are. And in that very place where God had spoke to him and visited him and called him initially, he goes back to that place and he makes this ephod and turns it into some kind of weird idol for the people of God to worship. You know, we need to be careful that we don't take the precious landmarks that God has placed in our lives, the areas that God has visited us and maybe spoke to us and convictions that God has given to us along the way, 
and desecrate them and go back on them. That's exactly what he was doing when he went back to Orphra and he did this diabolical thing, in my opinion, was he was going back on things that God had established in his heart. There's a reason why the Bible says to remove not the ancient landmarks in our life. And I realize that's the name of our church, but uh, more than that is a biblical term. There's things that God deals with us about and establishes uh, through His Word and through us receiving it by revelation. And when God speaks to us and we make that commitment, the Bible said it would be better not to make a commitment than to make a commitment and a vow to Him and go back on it. Amen. Somebody said, well, I don't know. I'm questioning certain things about our lifestyle, the way that we live and uh, I'm questioning certain things that we've taught and preached uh, throughout the years. Well, uh, first of all, usually it's somebody that is drifting in their relationship with God that would have that kind of attitude towards things that God initially put in their heart. Amen. That's a good sign you need to go back and be renewed again. And refreshed again. You need to go back to Orphra, but not to change things. You need to go back there and hear the voice of God again. You need to go back to Orphra and let God speak to you like He did the first time. Let God put that same desire, that same fervency, be renewed and refreshed in the Holy Ghost. So it's not a bad thing to visit Orphra. Maybe if Gideon had been visiting that place more often for the right reasons, he would not have been compelled to go back there and do what he did. But it somewhere had lost its meaning to him. And I, I think it's imperative in this hour, especially as we see we're so close to the coming of the Lord and this whole thing is getting ready to wrap up. And I believe that we're soon to hear the trumpet sound. I I don't want to tinker with things that God has established in His Word. I don't want to try to change or manipulate things to fit my lifestyle. But I want to be committed to what God has spoken to my heart. Can you say praise the Lord? The Bible said even at Orpha. And so uh, that just stood out to me as I was studying through this today. Though Gideon led Israel down the wrong way. The Bible tells us that even Gideon had enough sense and enough character to refuse to accept the offering to be king. What I mean is, is he was asked to rule over them. Israel had not had a king up until this point. God was their king. And even when their first king, Saul, was anointed, this was not God's first plan and design and desire for them as a people. He did this almost out of the hardness of their heart. He did this because they continually asked for it. He allowed it, in other words, but it was not really what he had planned for them. He wanted to be their king. He wanted them to look to him and receive and be, I guess you could say, spiritual enough and submitted enough spiritually that they could receive direction from him. And through the man of God and the prophets and, and uh, the priests that were established, they could receive direction. And 
they wanted a king like other nations, the scripture says. And this was offered to Gideon. And he refused. He said, I will not rule over you, neither will my sons rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Even Gideon had enough sense to realize there's only one king and there's only one that receives glory here. And I may not be living correctly, but I do realize one thing. That is that I'm no competition for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm not going to try to stand in his stead and do his work. I can only... I can only have authority that he gives me. I can only have power that he gives me. I only have strength as he gives it to me. I'm going to tell you, that is the way that you and I need to live our lives, is realizing that I only have strength and I only have authority and I only have victorious power in situations as the Lord strengthens me, as the Lord gives it to me. As we stay humble before God and submitted to God, He gives us the power to have victory in our lives. He gives us the strength that we need against the enemies. Every time that Israel was confronted with an enemy uh, throughout the Old Testament, when they humbled themselves before the Lord and sought God with all of their heart, always God rose to bring deliverance. God always supplied a way. God always helped them to have victory. I'm going to tell you it's the same for us today. As we rely upon Him, as we trust in the power of His Spirit, as we are led in the Holy Ghost, He will still give us victory over whatever it is that we're confronted with in this life. You say, well, I've got this kind of trouble. I've got that kind of trouble. I've got more than one situation going on at the same time. I don't care what it is. There's times when I read in the Scripture where they were surrounded by the enemies. I mean, they were coming in from every direction. And they lifted up their voice and surrendered to God. And the Bible tells us that God came through and saved His people and gave them victory to be able to overcome overcome and conquer the enemy that surrounded them only moments before. How many times have we read about them being outnumbered and it seemed like no logical possible way that it could ever happen in their favor. It looked like the odds were against them but when they put their trust in the Lord, when they begin to depend upon Him, He brought them through to victory. He'll do the same for you. Doesn't matter what the crisis is. Doesn't matter what the situation is. He'll do the same for you. But the Bible tells us that after Gideon's passing, that there was really an illegitimate child, Abimelech, that was born to Gideon from a concubine. And he rose up and slew all of the sons, the other sons of Gideon. And he positioned himself to become king and to rise to power over. Of course, he was not recognized by God. But there was one son of Gideon that escaped out of Shechem a man by the name of Jotham. And when he heard that 
Abimelech. Now there is another king, Abimelech, of the Philistines. This is not the same individual. This is a different one. This is Gideon's son. He thought he had wiped out all of Gideon's other sons, but there was one that escaped, Jotham. And Jotham learned about what Abimelech was doing. And the scripture tells us that he called the people together and he begins to tell them this parable that I read to you. And it's kind of an unusual thing, but I'll try to my best to unpack it. Uh, it's, it's even one of those things that's been considered an Old Testament parable or metaphor. We sometimes think of parables only in the ministry of Jesus, but there really is several parables in the Old Testament. Many of you might remember the widow of Decoa and the story, the woman of Decoa, and how that she told uh, the story uh, to David. And, and it was through that story, that parable that she told, she was giving him a word picture that caused him to go and endeavor to make amends with his son, Absalom. And uh, that's where we receive that phrase, the water be spilled out on the ground. God deviseth means to save. And uh, we've heard preaching about that and what a wonderful parable in the Old Testament that is. But this is one of those Old Testament parables also. And when Abimelech heard that, that there was a need or desire among the people to be king, he began to position himself so that he could become that king. Jotham speaks this strange parable and he speaks it in such a way that it's applicable to you and I here tonight. Because there's a desire among the people of Israel. There's a desire among them to have a leader and they're looking for a leader. And so they're going to various ones and there's this allurement or temptation. And in this case, I don't know of anything that is more tempting to mankind than what they were tempting people with here. And that was power and authority. There's a lot of temptations that people, it seems, can... Uh, willingly not go for or not fall into or not submit to or say no to. But it seems like power is the hardest for mankind to say no to and authority. And so they come, the Bible says, with this temptation. I'm going to tell you, we're living in a day when the devil is going to do everything he can do to displace you. He's going to do everything he can do to get you out of position where God is blessing you. He wants to get you out of alignment. He wants to get you out of the place where God is using you and where you're going to be most fruitful and where God is going to bless you. You hear me tonight. That's, that's really the message that is being uh, given here in this parable. The Bible says they first went to the olive tree. These trees of the forest went to the olive tree. This is the story that he's telling. And the olive tree 
They ask him, will you reign over us or will you rule over us? And the olive tree said, would I leave my fatness? I am a blessing to the things of God and to the men of God. And what it was actually referring to is from the olive tree comes olive oil that is used in anointing, anointing men of God, anointing vessels in the places of worship, anointing oil that is used in many different facets of worship and of, of dedicating things unto the Lord. And you want me to leave off this work that I'm doing that is so significant and important to go, and it would seem like in your eyes to be a promotion. But I want to tell you, everything that looks like a promotion in the eyes of men is not necessarily a promotion in the eyes of God. And the plan was, was to try to get the olive tree to get out of position, to get out of the place that God had planted it and placed it because it was here that it was being fruitful. It was producing oil. It was giving to the work of God in its way, the only way that it could, what it was designed to do. It was doing the purpose that it was created for. It was fulfilling. But the temptation was that you come over here and rule over us and do something different than what you're doing now. And that was the temptation that was presented to the olive tree. And the olive tree realized, I wasn't created to rule over you. I was created to produce the anointing oil. I was created to produce this sacred substance that's going to be used to anoint dedicated things and consecrated things unto God. Can I tell you that none of us should allow temptations of life and circumstances of life and even problems of life or people, if I could say it that way, we shouldn't allow them to get us out of position to what God has planted and placed us to do in his kingdom. Don't give up your anointing for anybody. Don't give up your anointing for any temptation that is out there. Don't give up your anointing and the blessing that is placed upon you by God and what he created you for, for anything that the world has to offer. That is the temptation. And there's and it comes in all kinds of different forms. And I'm going to tell you, the devil is very good at attracting people and alluring people away from their purpose because he knows that if he can get you away from your purpose, uh, he can begin to, to, to cause things to happen in your life uh, that will yield you really ineffective because only by doing what you were designed and created to do will you be fruitful. You won't be successful in trying to do anything else. And so there's all kinds of different temptations. And sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's authority or power or promotion over here or promotion over there to distract you and to get you away. But again, everything that seems like a promotion in the eyes of man is not a promotion in the eyes of God. How is this going to bring 
How is this going to bring glory to the kingdom of God? How is this going to further the kingdom of God? How is this going to be fulfilling the purpose that God has originally called me to and the purpose that God has established and even created my life for? Even while you were in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. I had a purpose for you. And I don't want to see you uproot yourself and displace yourself because of some foolish temptation. And the olive tree said, I am not willing to give off making olive oil to go pursue something else. I'm not going to leave my fatness to go try to rule over you. And so the olive tree doesn't accept the offer. And then the scripture says that the tree said to the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. And the fig tree answered, Should I forsake my sweetness? Should I forsake my sweetness to go reign over thee? Or reign over you? You want me to leave this place a blessing this place where I'm being productive, this place where I have the hand of God and am doing what God has called me to do. You know, when we talk about the place of sweetness, that's the opposite, of course, of bitterness. And I have seen so many people become bitter in life when they start pursuing things that they think is going to work out and be a grander deal only when they realize that this this is not this is not what I thought it was going this is not what I planned it to be I, I got outside of the plan and the will of God and I pursued I pursued things that were forbidden me I, I, I pursued things out there and I was tempted away from my purpose in the kingdom of God but once I was able to obtain that thing that I pursued it wasn't nearly as sweet as I thought it was going to be in fact it turned bitter on me and that's exactly the way sin is amen some some individual thinks uh, that, that some moral escapade is going to be more satisfying than staying within the bounds of their marriage relationship and they're tempted away. But I want to tell you, that turns bitter very quickly. People think that I could step outside the bounds of my relationship with God for a little while and it brings more heartache, it brings more pain, it brings more suffering than is even imaginable. And I can't even begin to describe how painful that can be in the lives of people. You're better to stay planted. You're better to stay in the place that God has put you. You're better to keep producing in the areas that God has blessed you to be able to produce. Amen. Everybody here, we don't need to get bored with what God has called us to do. Every day we ought to thank God that we're just a part of the church. We ought to thank God that He included us in His kingdom. We ought to thank God that He forgave us. Come on, we need to be reminded all over again of what He delivered us out of and what He brought us from and how good He's been to us. It's good for us to every once in a while go back to Orphra and say, God, won't you remind me of 
when you first spoke to me and when you first uh, told me what I could become and what you did for me in my life. I don't ever want to forget that. I always want to worship you and praise you for those things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to ever fail to give you the praise because all that's out there is bitterness and heartache. That, that's what really the serpent was doing when he beguiled Eve. Take, take some of this fruit. It's sweet just like all the rest. But it turned bitter awful quickly. That's what sin always does. We think that it looks so appealing and we're attracted to it. And I could go a lot of different directions from this. But Satan does his best to allure people away. You ought to thank God if you're a young person here tonight that God established you in an apostolic church setting. God gave you an opportunity to be ahead of the pack, as it were. You ought to not chafe at it that they're, that I'm, 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 I'm raised up in a church where there's certain guidelines and standards and things that we teach and preach that we partake of and don't partake of. But you ought to think of it as God gave me an opportunity that I didn't have to stumble along through life until I was up in my early 30s before I kind of figured it out and I came to church and but I can I don't, I don't have all the scars and I don't have all the pain and I don't have all the all the the blights on my life. I don't have uh, all of that stuff to try to work through and to grapple with and all of that. But I, I have an opportunity to start out pure and start out right and walk right and, and, and be productive in the kingdom of God. God set you ahead. God placed you in a position where you can be further along if you'll take advantage of it. Don't mess that up. Don't let something lure you outside the purpose of God. Amen. And then when the fig tree refused to give up its sweetness finally the trees went to the vine you see the digression here we start out with olive tree then the fig tree now we're down to the vine he said well you reign over us and the vine said should I leave my wine which cheereth God and man what this is really speaking of is joy. The devil tries to lure people out and said, I can give you a happier life out here. More fulfilled life. But that is not the biggest lie that could ever be sold to somebody. I don't know what is. The greatest joy that you'll ever have is the joy of the Lord. The greatest joy you'll ever have is the joy of the Holy Ghost. In fact, it's the only joy that lasts. Everything else kind of dissipates and it goes away and it fails when it's needed. But the joy of the Lord will continue. It's something that will continually be renewed. We can go back and we can draw from the well uh, the joy of salvation over and over and over again. I can be renewed in the Holy Ghost. When time gets bad, when I get discouraged, when there's despondency, when 
there's trouble along the way, I can get back to the altar and I can be renewed in the joy of the Lord. You can be renewed in the joy of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you stand with me right now? And the Bible said in Psalms 28 and 7, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Don't let the circumstances of life, don't let them steal your joy and your cheer in living for God. The Bible tells us in one, I think it is in the book of Hosea where it talks about where there is no joy, there is no harvest. I'm going to tell you, we know that that's where our strength is. And the devil, if he wants to take away people's strength and their ability to overcome, he can just get their joy in living for God. If he can make this arduous to you, if he can make you focus on all the difficulties and all the things you've got to give up, and he gets you... Majoring on minors and minoring on majors. Then he's won the battle. He sapped your strength. And that so happens to people. Hey, wake up, folks. You wouldn't want to be out there in this world right now without God. I wouldn't want to attempt to live one day without God on my side in this world. The joy of the Lord is my strength so when they couldn't get the olive tree and they couldn't get the fig tree and they couldn't get the vine they settled for a bramble bramble is something that is just a trash tree if you will you know there's certain trees in the forest that all they're much good for is just underbrush all they're much good for is become tumbleweeds. All they're much good for really is just to be a nuisance. They're not going to grow up and provide any shade. They're not trees of any real potential. But these people stooped down and got the lesser thing. The weakest thing leadership for them. But oh, the olive tree and the fig tree and the vine realized I got to stay in my lane. I got to stay where God planted me and what he established and created for me to do. That's where I'm going to be most productive. That's where I'm going to be able to do the most for the kingdom of God. Don't allow the enemy to lure you away by some frivolous temptation. Is this making any sense tonight? You stay with your purpose. You stay with what you're designed to do. There's no shortcuts to this. You just stay with it. And God will help you to be fruitful in time. Everything has its season, my brother. Everything has a season, my sister. And if you're a fig tree in due season, you're going to produce sweetness. If you're an olive tree in due season, you're going to produce anointing. In due season, if you're a vine, you're going to produce the wine of the Spirit. I'm just preaching to you tonight and telling you that you've got to stay with it through the difficult times. 
gone away. If you want the blessings, you can't prefer the path of the bramble. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's lift up our voices to him now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I love you and I praise you. I invite you, if you'd like, to come around this altar. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Let's give praise to him right now. I thank you, Jesus.